Hour number two of the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. With the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio still here, another hour. We call it that every Friday, but as I said off the top of last hour, we, are, uh, we have changed it up, but it is no less bright. In fact, arguably even brighter today than other weeks that we've done this. Uh, we have three valedictorians from three high schools around the Hamilton area. All Two of them who have already given their speech, one who is still gearing up, practicing in front of the mirror, maybe. <laughs> um, Derek Holden from Orchard Park, who is the one who is still practicing. His, when, is your, uh, when is your graduation? When this your, Wednesday. This Wednesday. So you've got a few days. You'll be practicing all weekend. Oh, yeah, right in front of the mirror. <laughs> and, and coming up with the hardest to pronounce longest words, right? You're going to throw in all the $10 words so everyone goes, wow, he is really Everything. intelligent. They're not going to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do it all in Latin. That would really, Ooh, really catch them That would make them sit back. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would make something happen. I don't know what it would be. Um, Michaela Zvonar from St. Thomas More, uh, who I understand, we were just talking, chatting over the news break, who is a very accomplished, I understand, violin player. So that is, uh, you know... Something pretty cool. Uh, that, you know, we, my family and I, we went to a concert the other week. Uh, we don't do this kind of stuff very often, but I was bound to determine we were going to drum some culture into the family. And we went and saw the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. And I don't know if you know the piece, but it's the theme song to Schindler's List. And it's a violin solo. And I'm looking at that going, man, I wish I could play that instrument like that. It was just haunting. And it's so, so violin is very cool that you can do that. Uh, and Brent Smith from Westmount, who, again, over the break, all these surprises. Tell What was it again? You were the top 10 in Canada in how many events in track at one point? Uh, six events, six different events, actually. <laughs> yeah, you know what? As I say, talent is uh, surrounding me, thankfully, propping me up and carrying me on their shoulders tonight as we, uh, as we do the panel because, um, man, oh, man. My resume coming out of high school was not like your resumes <laughs> coming out of high school. I assure you of that. The, uh, the one thing that I had as the record, I think, was probably for the most time sent to the principal's office and most attentions. <laughs> it's a good record. That, it, I may still hold it, in fact. I, there's a very good chance I still hold that record. Uh, your quiz question, just before we get to hear more from these three very accomplished young people, is, if I can find it, where did I put it? Oh, yes, here it is. They all have their graduations or have had their graduations. And during those graduation ceremonies, I'm guessing there was a particular piece of music that was played as the graduates marched down the aisle because it happens almost everywhere that this piece of music is played at a graduation. It is the traditional graduation piece of music that you will hear university, college, high school, whatever. It sounds like this. So you know the music. You've heard it a million times. I mean, hope, well, yeah, maybe, maybe you've graduated three or four times. High school, university, post-secondary. Who knows what you've done? But you know that piece. What is it called? That's your quiz question tonight. 905-645-3221 or star 9900. What is that piece of music called that is traditionally played at a graduation ceremony? But one of the interesting things that happens after you graduate, and this is kind of the uh, splash of cold water, I suppose, into the face of every high school student, because Michaela last hour was talking about how difficult it is to, how much pressure there is to get into post-secondary and then to go on with your life. And, you know, there are a lot of things that me now, as a guy who 
a couple decades, a few decades out of high school, looks back and thinks, man, it has got to be tough. Things have changed. Like, do you, do you guys worry about what the future is when you look at house prices, when you look at the job market, when you look at all these kind of things? Is it daunting? Is it intimidating? Is it worrying? What, what would you, or is it none of that above? Are you just completely optimistic and say, ah, oh, none of it's going to affect me. I'm going to do fine. And how do you, how do you feel, Brent, about this, these kind of things when you hear these stories? I mean, I wish I didn't think about it and was optimistic like most people, but it's honestly been on the back of my brain since like the last few years. And it's kind of, what part in particular? What's the one thing, if, if anything, that really is concerning to you? I just, honestly just the debt. Like I'm, I'm, I love traveling. I love like experiences, but I'm scared that going to university, like having to work for years just to like get by and like with your university debt. Yes. Before you even get started. Yeah, and just I'm worried about like how deep I'm going to be in that before I get started. Are you planning to do undergrad and then beyond that, or are you hoping to do four years and be out and on with your life? Uh, as of right now, four years. I'm not too sure what I want to do, so four years right now seems logical, but. I mean, if it goes past that, I'm going to be in some trouble. But it is intimidating. I mean, Derek, you, I mean, you're getting partial partial or full scholarship down at university when you go? Just partial. But okay. I, for sure, I think it's intimidating just because um, we are this young and we do feel like we're invincible at this moment. But um, it's definitely the finance part that I think has us all kind of scared. But um, we're, we're adaptable. I mean, if we weren't adaptable, then we couldn't have gotten through four years of high school. But yeah, it's the finance part, um, just the starting our own life part. We're so used to relying on other people to do our own stuff. But yeah, it's definitely intimidating. For I mean, us. not to be not to be causing more intimidation, but if you get out of university with forty, thirty thousand dollars in debt, let's say, I mean, do you, it's even hard for me. Do you have a concept of what thirty thousand dollars is? I'm not trying to be patronizing. I'm just saying, like, is it is it hard to imagine that kind of money, or is it just sort of I don't know, something else. I feel like when, I don't know, looking online at university tuition prices and then residence prices and stuff like that, it, it seems like a lot, but then at the same time, like, I've never had to pay for something like that before, so I don't really know. But I know that it's it's going to be tough to pay off, too. There's a lot of money put into our four years before we actually have a job where we're making good money. And again, not to be negative, but there are a lot of people now that finish university and then... There's no job for them waiting in the thing that they've just finished doing their degree in. Is that, I mean, do you, when you think about these things, when you're thinking about what you're getting on with your life, is that in the back of your mind? Is, am I going to be able to even find a job in the area that I graduate with? I think that there's a lot of really general programs that people have where they could do a lot of different things. So it opens more opportunities, which is really good. But at the same time, I feel like I wish I was maybe going into something like nursing, for example, where you know exactly where you can go afterwards. What What have they told you in school? Anybody, when you go to your um, guidance counselors or your careers classes or whatever, these days, what are they telling you are the areas that you could go into where you're going to have a better chance of getting a job? Michaela just said nursing. Are there other areas where they say, listen, I don't know if you like it or not. But if you want to get a job when you get out of university or college, here's the place to go. What are those things? Have you heard any of those? I was told um, general business and like marketing because a lot of people are struggling marketing to our age. And I feel like they need the, well, I was told that they need like younger people and younger people's approach and views. All right. Um, at Orchard Park, they, we have a really, really good tech program. So they're always trying to encourage us to take trades because they say that trades are in high demand right now. So... Yeah, they, they definitely try to push that more on us instead of the business, but we do have a good business program. 
So they, they try to push this in between business and trades. Those are the two main ones for Ultraport. And I can assure you, we had to have a plumber into our house today. <laughs> he was not there very long, and the bill was pretty good. <laughs> and when I say pretty good, it was pretty good for him, not for us. <laughs> but it's really interesting you said that, Derek, because it seems to me, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong here, but it seems to me that, that high schools that it would still be the push that most people would go to university rather than to go into a trade or into an, in, uh, an apprenticeship or to become a plumber or a carpenter or, or something else like that. Is it? Am I right? Is it still that the push would be that we want our students to go to university? I think it is, but I feel more and more now it's becoming more of a thing to not go to university, to go into the trades or apprenticeships or even to college where you're doing hands-on things. And I think that's really important because we definitely need more of that for people, for sure. What happens, though, at, at, at graduation when they would say, when, you, when they march them across the stage, when you get marching across the stage, do they say what the person is doing the next year? Uh, in years previous, they did, but this year they did not. They didn't? Okay, so in the past years, though, let's say they did. And it's Bob Jones is going to Western for whatever, and Steve mm-hmm. Smith is going to <sighs> U of T for whatever. And if someone then said, and Billy Bob is uh, is going to be working with his dad, would people go, ooh? Or, even though his dad might have been in a line of work that really paid well and that he was really good at and that, boy, he could make a great living, was there kind of a, is there almost kind of a sense of a, you're not quite living up to expectations if you do that? Honestly, is there or is there not? Um, I think the social image has always That's been what I mean. to go to university. Um, but I think that it, it's, such a, it's such a high demand in college that people are overlooking the college courses, which is why it's in high demand. So I know in my school especially, a lot of people are veering away from the university courses and steering towards the college courses because it's so overlooked. You can walk across Hamilton and you can ask uh, a senior you can ask them where they're going, and I know a lot of them will say university. But if you come down by OP, you'll ask them, and they'll, they'll say somewhere, some college, so like Mohawk, Sheridan, something like that. The people that you talk to, your friends in school, do you get the sense that most or many of them are going into something that they love, or they're going into something that they think they can get a job at when they get out of school, if they go to school, out of whatever training it is? Is it for passion or is it for practicality now? I think it really depends on the person. Um, I think going into something practical seems to be the bigger thing that people are doing. But at the same time, there's some people I talk to who are just going into like arts programs or something. And it's like, wow, like if you can do that, good for you. Like you're definitely hopefully going to be doing something you love. But at the same time, like that's where the challenge has to come in. You have to be ready to be faced with a lot of um, challenges in finding a job if you're in a program like that. Something very general that doesn't really yeah. give you a specific thing. When you get past that, though, I don't know if you've even thought of this. You guys are in high school right now. Do any of you ever think about the idea of owning your own home someday? Absolutely. Yeah. Does that, that mm-hmm. crosses your mind? And so when you see that what house price is in Hamilton and whatever, <laughs> do you even, I mean, have you? does it ever cross your mind that how, how in the world am I ever going to afford that? You see the prices in Toronto or Vancouver, and Hamilton's getting there. Does it is it again? Is it a little daunting to think I'm maybe never af- able to afford a house? I, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't. But I know there's a lot of people that this year they set themselves up to take courses for to go to college or an apprenticeship, and then they actually changed halfway through so they could go to university because people and and vice versa. People are thinking 
like logically about what they want to do with their lives and whether or not the path they chose can support that. And most of them have changed. It's not it, going back to what you're talking about before. It's not passion. It's now practicality. Is there optimism or are a lot of people pessimistic now? Because we keep hearing that you guys fall into the millennial group. I think you're still in the, you know, what they call the millennials. And there's this sense that millennials are very pessimistic about their future. Now, you three have all succeeded already. You've, you've excelled in school. Again, and nobody gets chosen as valedictorian unless you've done really well or unless the entire school decided to play a giant practical joke on you. <laughs> uh, and I can see that that's not the case for any of you three. So the reality is you guys fall into that category. You guys are going to be able to do well. But do you get a feeling of great optimism about the future or do you get a feeling that people feel really like this, the cards are almost stacked against them in some ways? I think it all really depends on the person. There's some people I talk to who are so excited for next year. They're looking forward to where they're going and the program they're in. And then there's other people who are terrified, I know, because they're scared for the courses and the work and what's going to come from it. So I really think it just depends on the person. What do you what do you what do you sense at Orchard Park when you're when you're there? Do you do you get this sense that everybody feels like the future is just the yellow brick road laid out in front of them towards riches and glory, or do you feel like it's oh man we're about to walk off the cliff here? Um, at Orchard Park, it's it's all about the attitude at Orchard Park. So for those who have the right mindset and have a good head on their shoulders and say I'm I'm going to do this with my life, those are the ones that usually excel. It's the ones that oh, that say oh I'm scared for this, um, I don't think I'm ready for this. They're the ones that usually start trailing behind more. So at Orchard Park, it's really the ones who excel in their attitude. Not always their grades, but more their attitude and their drive to have um, that good job that they want. I can say this with absolute certainty. Orchard Park will never have a greater spokesman than you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. No one has ever sold Orchard Park High School greater than <laughs> you sounds have pretty good right this now, evening. It really, uh, listen, Orchard Park sounds like the greatest school in the city right now. I mean, no offense <laughs> to you two as well, but... Man, you've done a Derek. You've done a fantastic job selling this school. Thank I don't know. I, I just I, I look at it and I think uh, if I was coming out of high school right now, I would be. And I, again, I don't want to be like the boogeyman here and scaring you, but I would be nervous about some of the things that are facing me because it's just it seems as though it's very difficult. And maybe that's just a perception that we in the media have painted. Maybe that's just a perception that you hear. But it seems like you know. Again, we hear that. Uh, I was reading the other day that it says that you know robots are going to have eighty percent of the jobs within the next twenty <laughs> years. Like so, maybe the maybe the one you want to do is you want to go into building robots. That seems to me to be the uh, <laughs> the one that if if the robots are going to take over, let's build the robots and have a job that way. I don't know. I don't know. You guys are very optimistic, though. You're. I, I didn't necessarily expect that I would see this much optimism. I mean, personally, I'm I'm terrified. <laughs> like, if I'm being really honest, I. And when thinking about my future in like the past few months, like I found like it, it was very not a bright view and it was kind of, it was dark and dreary and I guess realistic, like especially at Westman, like you're taught, like you're the one in charge of your own education. So you kind of like, I don't know if you mature faster, but you kind of get a bit different grasp or view on the reality sooner. And I'm honestly trying to like just scale back my view and just look at the next four years because if I look past that, I'm not going to do so great. Well, where are you going in the fall? Uh, Ryerson University. For? Journalism. You will be wonderful. Ryerson Journalism is the greatest university course uh, that's, on That's the what planet. I've heard, so I'm pretty excited. But. <laughs> I may be slightly biased towards that. <laughs> but, a little bit. But, <laughs> but yeah, you know what? You'll be fine. It's a, it's a fantastic program. You'll go, but, but again, it is daunting. And, and you know, for, again, for all three of you who have all not only done well in school, but clearly had a reasonable amount of uh, involvement and popularity and success... Again, it's I, I imagine that it's a little 
intimidating to step out of that comfort zone and now you're jumping into something else altogether. So, you know what? It's, but good for you guys. I mean, listen, it's, it's other than Brent, who, and, and who's very, <laughs> no, no, but who's very honest. And I understand that, who, who finds it a little scary. And I, I, I'm with you. I would have found it exactly the same. But I'm, I'm impressed that there's as much optimism as there is because a lot of people paint you guys, your years, as being really pessimistic about everything. I'm, you know, it's, it's good to hear that it's not all doom and gloom from everybody. For now. <laughs> we'll wait to see what happens with all your classmates next year at university. And, uh, I think I've decided to come back for a fifth year of school or a sixth or a seventh. Uh, quick break. Back after this on the Scott Radley Show. Back on the Scott Radley Show with the Brightest panel in Hamilton Radio this evening made up of three valedictorians from around the Hamilton area, Orchard Park, St. Thomas More, and Westmount. And we couldn't have these three in here and not throw at least one curveball at them. <laughs> and I didn't know what that curveball was going to be until literally about 10 minutes before I left to come down to the studio tonight. And a story came across on the computer and I said... That may be the grossest thing I've ever heard in my entire life, so I'm going to ask you guys about this. There is a company in Smith's Falls, Ontario, not far away from here. Oh, no. Called Aqua Green Dispositions. Oh, God. They are in the, well, sort of in the funeral business. Sort of. Um, there are ways that you, you, know, you can bury a body, you can cremate a body. They are a green funeral kind of business. Uh, what they do is they will drop a body into a heated and pressurized container, which then essentially reduces the body into a consomme, for lack of a better term, a warm soup, and then drains the remains into the town's sewer system. So my question for you is this. Multiple choice question for this one. Oh, no. What is the weirdest thing... Weirdest way that you could get rid of a body. This cryogenic freezing where they keep you frozen until they say that down the road they'll somehow be able to find a cure for whatever killed you and they'll bring you back to life by uh, thawing you out. Walt Disney is apparently frozen and uh, Ted Williams, the baseball player. Uh, plastination. Do you know what plastination is? There's like museum exhibits of like bodies where they've... M- taken the skin off and they've posed them into certain poses and they've and you can look at like how the muscles move and stuff like that or having your body donated to science for uh, students to um, carve up and uh, you know learn from but still I've always thought it would be an odd one if you know I donated my body to science and then you know they pull the blanket off and the person goes oh that was my old neighbor Um, you know (laughs) but what Brent, we'll go around the table oh, for this no. one. What is, first of all, what's your thought on this one? Would you be wanting to live in a town where they're dumping body soup into the sewer system, uh, first where, of it's all? It's called Smith's Falls is where it's, yes. yeah, it's, they should change the name of that waterfall probably <laughs> something else, but <laughs> I mean, I, are you okay with that? First of all, are you a green guy? Like, with, oh, okay. We can, we can not have to bury bodies. We can not put smoke into the air with cremation. We just boil them up into a little bit of an oozy soup and then bloop, bloop, away I they mean, go. I guess environmentally it makes a little <laughs> bit of sense, but if I was living there, I'd uh, <laughs> I'd probably just drink some bottled water and that's about <laughs> it. So. I was going to say, yeah, you want to have a good distiller in your house. <laughs> um, I mean, it's very innovative. It is very innovative. <laughs> okay. 
It is very innovative, yes. And yeah, for the economy, I guess if it's better for the economy, I'm all for it. But if if I was living in that town, I'd I'd feel a little creeped out. And yeah, I'd drink bottled water too. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a little creepy. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I'd want to be there where that's happening. I don't. I personally don't think I would want to be turned into. I'm kind of crazy. That Is either. Yeah, yeah. We should stop calling it soup have as well. <laughs> <laughs> have any of you ever seen the movie Christmas Vacation? No. National Lampoon's Christmas oh, Vacation. Of all right, and when uh, when he's out into the sewer with the green glow coming up, that's kind of how I envision this. That you're oh. walking by, <laughs> and there's, this, there's this like smell coming out of all the sewer. Like the whole thing to me is just the creepiest kind of gross way to do it. Like burial is one thing, cremation is one thing, burial at sea is one thing. Uh, this is different. This is kind of different. And even like, like the cryogenic freezing, to me that one is like the biggest. I don't know. I don't want to say scam, but scam. Like, honestly, <laughs> you think you're going to be frozen to, like, you're a giant block of ice, and they're going to unthaw you and then heal you, and you're going to come back and, like, in Austin Powers or something. Like, it's, it's just, I don't know, all these all these ideas that people are having. Why don't we just, like, bury people or cremate people like we always used to? I don't quite understand. I don't understand this. I, but and, and imagine the discussion around the dining room table the day that the guy who came up with this thought is talking with his family, and they're... You know, they're sitting there eating their lasagna. And he well, says, I was going to say, you probably should have served them like chunky super <laughs> oh. <laughs> I got this great idea for what we're going to do to make some money. We are going to liquefy human bodies Must and then pour them day. into the sewer system. Must have been a rough day at the office. I would. Well, oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe he, from our last topic, went to university and couldn't find a job out of his chosen field. <laughs> and so he came up with this. They, somewhere uh, at a frat party one day, they came up with this idea. I, I mean, who knows? Or he watched Breaking Bad, episode two of Breaking Bad. and said, there yeah, this will. I don't know. This is a, it's a bio. What are they calling it here? Um, yeah, they just use an alkaline solution to dissolve it and then drained the leftover coffee-colored effluents into the sewer system. Oh, man. You know, actually, when they try to use big words and make it sound scientific, it doesn't actually make it sound any better. It does not. No, it really doesn't. I, I don't even know what effluents are, but it sounds like something I do not want to spill on my shoes. When <laughs> I, uh, what a, yeah, Smith Falls. Now, uh, I, Smith Falls, if I'm correct, used to be the home of the Hershey factory in Ontario, Hershey Chocolate. They've gone from that brown substance to this brown substance. I, this, is not a, this is not a good trade-off, I'm sorry. Not a good trade-off. All right, we will move on. I just, that story caught me today, and I went, I, I just, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? But I thought I would, you know, test you guys tonight, throw it out there for you. I mean, yeah, I don't really know how to feel about that. I just, uh, I'm fine with being going on the ground. He says, yeah. it, the guy who's in charge of it says, it brings your body back to its natural state. It's the same. What? Yeah, well, it's just accelerating the process of what would happen if you were going otherwise. It's, it's just, you know, it's simply moving the process along a little quicker. Something to talk. Derek, you still have a valedictorian to deliver. I, I will definitely I mention have now, this. I have now given you prime material <laughs> to talk about. Smithsville will be involved. If, if, you know what, if you're talking to the crowd and you're not getting a reaction, if you're seeing like blank stares, say, hey, you know what, I got to tell you about something. Just a, a little sidebar here. Let's talk about Smith's Falls. Want some soup? Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about human soup. I, I'm telling you, you will get the crowd on your side if you're talking about this. <laughs> All right, we will, uh, we will move along from this. Uh, quick break, and when we come back, we are going to the lightning round Ooh. with the three valedictorians. Yes, we will be going to the lightning round. It's like a game show here without all the cash or prizes. Aw, darn <laughs> Rats. <laughs> Back after this. 
We move on to the lightning round here on the Scott Radley Show. We, we don't always do a lightning round. In fact, we never do a lightning round, but it seemed like tonight was a good night to do it. Uh, again, because we have a very different clientele, let's use that word, in the studio today, much younger than we usually have for the panel. Three valedictorians from high schools around the city. Derek Holden from Orchard Park, Michaela Zavonar from St. Thomas More, Brent Smith from Westmount. So let's go through a bunch of things here. Just short answers. Get each of you to give an answer on this one. Um, just some interesting things. So again, people who don't always hear from people of your okay. age group to get some thoughts on this. What is old? What age are you now when you are old? Um, I mean, it's. I honestly believe if you're like... For you, what do you think? When you think someone's old... It depends when they, on how they act, but generally speaking, if they just gave me an age, I'd say 65 is old. Okay. To me. Um, see, my parents probably wouldn't appreciate the answer, <laughs> but uh, I'd, I'd have to agree with Brent. Somewhere around 65, 70. Yeah. I say when you're like retired, that's when you kind of hit your old age then. Wow. Because when I was in high school, I thought, man, 30 is like old. By the time you're 30, you're starting to get old. But, but that's a are, different kind of old. You're guys yeah. old. Oh, so, so that is still getting like old-ish. Like, that, that's, like, that's, yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're old now. I'm like, whoa, 18. <laughs> well, when you look back at your like grade five pictures, yeah. then you go, yeah. okay, well, things are different. We have a society that really does not like it when people are offended. Is it okay to be offended, or is that a or is that bad to be offended? Uh, it depends on how you're offended. I think if it's something that's like super specific to you, it's okay. But if it's a general topic, like I think we're way too sensitive as a society today. So give me an example of what you mean by that. If it's specific to you, what do you mean? Uh, for example, like if someone like if I said something that was like, I like you're a very like attractive man, but like oh, you, 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 you <laughs> if I were to say you you have an ugly nose. You, but if I were going to say, oh, that hair, like people would, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, if it's one thing specific to that person, I think you should be offended. But if it's like a general statement, like, take it or leave it. All right, Derek. You are an attractive individual. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> we got a little man crushing going uh, on here. It's, uh, um, uh, I, I agree. I think we're, we are too sensitive um, in this generation. I think that most of the things that are said to us are usually said as a joke, but there's a certain fine line that shouldn't be crossed at times. Schools, though, Michaela, go to you first, and then we'll go back to this. But what do you think? Is it okay um, to be offended, or is it a bad thing? I think when it's something that's worth being offended about, when it's something that's actually, yeah, personal, something towards you or something towards something that you really care about, that's when it's okay. But if it's just, like, a general joking around and you can tell it's a joke, sometimes you just have to let it slide, I guess. But does that is that how it works at high school now? Because, it, it, again, we hear all these stories that, you know someone says something that is mm, pretty benign and they get in trouble for offending someone or we don't want to say anything that could possibly offend anybody. Is that is that how you read it at school or is it not like that? Um, in high school, it's a very touchy community. So um, if you don't know somebody, you have to be very careful on what you say to them because you don't know how they'll react, right? But if it's somebody that you know won't do anything bad, then you can kind of change up the, the comments you, that you say to them. What... In, from society, what are you owed? What does society owe you? Opportunity and a clean slate. Good answer. That's a very good answer. Um, I think a, a really good education and, again, opportunity. I think it only owes how much you give in a way. So mm. what you put into everything, yeah. that's, I feel like, what you should kind of get back. Okay, so say that at one again. Uh, a society owes you what you give. Um, I don't know how to explain. Like, what you, I guess, put into society, I feel, 
I guess I'm a big believer in karma type of thing. I feel like if you put out good, you should hopefully receive good. So back. a fair shake. Yeah. You're not owed a living. You have to earn a living, in my mm -hmm. opinion. I agree. You all yeah. agree with that? Yeah. You're not owed um, ev the same as everybody else. I think you should be given equal opportunity, but that's not quite the same. Are you owed the opportunity? That's a good answer. But are you owed the same? If 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 one of the people in your class gets a better job, are you? Is it unfair that they do better than you in life because they have done something else? Is no. it is it okay to have different success levels? I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I think there is because um, everyone puts in different amounts of effort, right? If you have somebody who's just sitting back and not doing anything, and they get a better job. Then yeah, I think it gets a little unfair at that point. But if there's somebody who is working their butt off at everything they do and they get a really good job, then they deserve that job. Let's flip it. Go back the other way this time. I is life supposed to be fair? I don't think always because I don't think it really ever is. So I think um, at times you just have to accept the unfairness, and at times you have to see where you believe. I guess that things should be fair, and you have to work towards that equality. Then. Um, I don't think life is supposed to be fair. I think it's not supposed to be fair because we're supposed to adapt to what we're given. So if we have certain challenges, then we have then everyone has to see how we overcome those challenges and obstacles. It kind of going off you said like it's it's fair whether or not you think it is. If that makes sense, like I don't think life is fair, but it's all about perspective. Like if you believe that everything was given to you for reason, that you had like all experiences that all lead up to something, then I think all the unfairness would result in it being fair in the end. Should university be free? A lot of people think that we should have free university, free tuition. The Ontario government actually had talked, you know, for lower income people, they were going to try and make a free, quote, quote, because nothing's ever free, but a freer university. Should university tuition be free for everybody? I wish it was free for everybody, <laughs> but I think if it was free, it would cause a lot of problems too, in some sense. I mean, I wish, I feel like cheaper maybe would be okay, but free, I don't think necessarily. Yeah, I agree. There would definitely be a lot of controversy if it was free, but um, being in the position we are, I would love it to be free. But um, as she said, just even even cheaper, I think would be really good. Well, I mean, like, a lot of people don't go to university because of the cost, so I think the the standards to get in would be higher. But like countries in Europe, universities free. Denmark pays you to go to elementary school. I think if, it, if it, I don't know if it was free, but I think it should be like for example, like Harvard University. If you if your family is under sixty five thousand dollars, university is free. So I think like not necessarily free for everyone, but free if the reason you're not going is your financial status. Because I always wondered if university was free, would that make, we just talked about whether everybody should be going to university or doing something else. If it's free now, does that mean everyone's going to go and then you even water down the pool even more? I don't know the answer to that. I read this really interesting thing once um, where they were saying that you should get back the amount of tuition that like you fail, for example. So if you get like a 90 per or like 90 percent or something, you would get some of the money back, like depending on how well you do. So I feel like something like that, like a good motivator. But if it was free, I feel like people would lose their motivation because you're paying for the school. It's important that you do well in it right now. Should there be such a thing as a living wage? And I don't know if you know what I mean by living wage. Should there be? Basically, it essentially means that nobody is going to be under the poverty line. You either will make a certain amount that has to be, um, the minimum wage will go up enough so that you will be able to live on what you make as opposed to being impoverished, or we will have a higher 
welfare rate so that you will not be living in poverty. Do you agree with that? Or do you think, again, what you said earlier, you should have to, in some ways, earn what you get? For some people, I think it's hard, though, to always start to earn um, something. So I feel like if there was something like that, it would definitely help a lot of people, which would be important. Yeah. Um, I wish it were like that, but I, th- I, I believe that a lot of people would take advantage of that. And some people just don't earn, wouldn't, earn, wouldn't be able to earn that, while others would earn it, and then b- they'd be making the same money as these people. So I think that would that would start a lot of controversy too and it would clash. I feel like it, the people, a lot of people would lose motivation because they, they knew they could bank on it. I think there should be, if that, would to come, if that was to become a thing, I think there should be requirements or almost duties that have to be completed in order to earn that. So you can get that kind of money, but you owe, when you talk about owing, then you owe something to society for that. Yeah, like you should, it shouldn't necessarily be given to you. Like it can be something like simple or like an easy task, but I don't think it should just be given to people. Do you think that a lot of people though, your age, do you think a lot of people would agree with you that it's okay to owe something to society for what you get? Do you think that's a commonly held belief? Maybe it is. But again, the perception is that it isn't. The perception is that a lot of people your age think, no, I'm owed something and you're going to give me something and no, I don't have to give anything back to get that. That should just be what I get. That may be completely wrong, but that's the perception a lot of people have. I think a good way to live is always that you owe something. Like whether or not you believe something is owed to you, I think if you if you believe that something is owed to you and you don't owe anything, I think that's kind of how you start a downward spiral. But as long as you have the belief that you should always be contributing something to other, some either someone else or like society as a whole or the world, I think that's probably the best way to live your life. All right, a um, a local topic. I don't know if you have any opinion on this, and it's okay if you don't. But a local topic that has dominated a lot of discussion around this city for the last little while. Do you like the idea of the LRT, of public transit, of bumping up the amount of public transit in the city, or do you not like it, or do you not care, or is it just something you haven't paid much attention to, or you can answer it any way you like on, on that one? Um, personally, I don't really take public transit, so I feel like I can't contribute that much to that conversation, but... Um, I think just everyone, it's something that everyone has different opinions on. It really just depends on who you talk to and how they kind of see that. Absolutely. That's why the debate is as raging as it is yeah. right now. Um, I love the amount of public transit. Like, you can walk through the cities and you'll see those blue bikes that people can just take yep. and they take it to one city, drop it off for somebody else to use. So I think it, it allows a lot of people to, to move across the city the way they do because they might not have another way of transportation. So I love it. I don't think overall, I think certain routes, like in the mornings, bus into school, like the buses always pass you. They're packed. It's full of sardines, and it's kind of sometimes it's a hassle, sometimes it's easy. But I think something that should be done. But I don't know how in depth, and that's the best answer I can give right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one on this list. And again, we've used the word millennials a few times. I don't know if everybody even knows what that exactly means. I'm not sure I know exactly what that means, <laughs> except that it's an age group that we talk about now that would be high school, university students. What is one thing that you think is a misconception about your age group, about the people who would fall into your category of millennial, the people who aren't millennials, who are, who are older than you? What's a misconception you think a lot of people have about your age group? Um, people are always saying things. I guess older people are always saying things like, I'm worried for your age group and all that kind of stuff. Pretty much but what I, I just said yes. for the last half hour, yes. And in a way, yeah, I'm a little scared for us too, but I feel like we're an age now where so many things are being developed and we're so innovative that I really think that people overlook us as well. Good answer. Very good answer. 
Um, a lot of people think that our generation are irresponsible, and yeah, some some of us are irresponsible. I'm not gonna lie, but um, the majority of us, we we do know what we're doing. We we know exactly when to do things, how to take care of ourselves, um, and I think they get, that sometimes they get so scared that they take over our lives from us, so we don't get an opportunity to show that. You we mean can, older people yeah, are stepping in exactly, to protect you? Exactly. So they step in to protect us, and it kind of takes away our opportunity to kind of do things on our own and show that we can do it. I mean, parents and the older generations always have ideas of the younger generations. You go back, no matter how many years, and they always think, oh, you should be doing this more. But, I mean, the amount of things that Ari has to go through, like we're expected to go to school for eight hours a day and do three hours of homework and still have a part-time job to pay for university and... Yeah, we we want to sleep on the weekends. Like personally, I hate sleeping in, but sometimes it's all that you really need and you can't because you got to go to more work and you're just you're so tired and you're grumpy. But it's what you have to do these days to stay afloat. So I got to tell you, um, I said it earlier. I would never have been able to come up with good answers like that when I was in high school. Honestly, you guys are really, really intelligent and give a, and give really good answers and, and are very thoughtful. And I, you. I, you know, that's it's uh, it is for people who are listening again. And I just asked for the millennial question for the people who are older. I think what you guys, how you guys have answered, honestly, is very encouraging. And I, I you know, in any generation, there are going to be people like you, and there's going to be people who would come in here and not be able to answer that question at all. We know that it's a spectrum, right? But mm-hmm. I'm hoping that a lot of people listening who may not be in the millennial group right now are look are listening in and going, all right, all right, you know what? They're only 17? Yes. 17? 18. 18? 18. 18, oh, 18 okay. <laughs> uh, and you know what? I mean, really, really insightful and intelligent answers. Really very impressive. I am, I am very, very impressed with you three. And, Thank you. Um, all right. Uh, let me give you the quiz question. And then we'll go to our last break here on the Scott Radley Show. Your quiz question is this. Uh, we are talking with three valedictorians. It is graduation time. Last day of high school for a lot of people today. Very last day. Not just like last day of school. Last day of school. <laughs> Different thing. So here it is. When you march down the aisle for your graduation wearing your mortarboard and your robe, there is music that is playing usually, traditionally, unless you go to a really postmodern school when they're playing... I don't know, iced tea or something, or <laughs> I mean, who, 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 Drake, Taylor, yeah, Drake, yeah, they're playing Drake when you're walking down. We're, we're getting, uh, we're getting very urban with our graduation. But if it's a traditional school of any kind, they will be playing this. So your quiz question tonight is: What is the name of this piece of music that is traditionally played at graduations? 905-645-3221, star 9900. you got about two minutes to get your answer in. When we come back after the break, we are going to give you the correct answer. Lisa is going to tell you all the people who got it right, and we are going to send you off to your weekend. Back after this. Your quiz question this evening was, where did I put it? Well, there is a piece of music that is often, well, usually, traditionally played during graduation for high school, for university, for college, for grade eight, for kindergarten, whatever. Uh, And it's the music that is played when you're marching down the aisle towards your graduation. We asked you to name that piece of music, and we played it for you. The title of the song, the piece, is... 
pomp and circumstance. Lisa, who got pomp and circumstance right this evening? Edward, Karen, Richard, Walter, Robert, Frank, and Brian. All right. Now, we also, this is, I think, the first time we may have had this. We have a controversy because there were how many people actually came up with a, the same but different name? Four people said Land of Hope and Glory. Land of Hope and Glory. So in the because I cannot actually say that is not correct, I have no way of knowing that right now as I sit here, we will declare you not incorrect but possibly right but we're not really sure is that a uh, <laughs> is that a uh, an acceptable measure for you if you called in tonight i honestly I, i'm going to listen as soon as i get home and see if i can find out um if that's the same piece i'd never heard that title before i'd always known it as pomp and circumstance but uh, you know i can't tell you you're wrong and it's friday and i'm feeling generous and so we'll <laughs> give it to you in that case uh brent smith yes you are uh, graduate you graduated from westmount you are off to Ryerson University for, for Journalism. Ryerson for Journalism. Uh, Derek. Derek Holden from Orchard Park. Yep. Your future? I'm going to take a year off first, and then I'm going to the States for, for a baseball scholarship and studying kinesiology. Very nice. And Michaela Zavonar, St. Thomas More, your plans? I'm off to Ryerson next year as well, but for business. You guys were fantastic. Thank you. Really, really good. Thanks for coming in. Folks, thanks for being here this week. Appreciate you spending the time. I'll be back Monday at 7 o'clock. I hope you will tune in and join me then. Until then, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you soon.